You're listening to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm your host, Aoife O'Brien. This is the podcast for leaders who put people first. The podcast covers four broad themes, engagement and belonging, performance and productivity, leadership equity, and the future of work. Everything to do with the Happier at Work podcast relates to employee retention. You can find out more at happieratwork.ie. Society is changing. Individuals are becoming more empowered and they want to know what they actually have or perceive from their work that's non-financial. And that's why I think this relationship is going to change. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I'm so delighted that you decided to tune in today. My guest today is Marissa Elizondia and today we're talking all about emotional salary and really what that means is all of the non-financial benefits of work. So you will have heard me talk before about happiness at work and how it's not necessarily related to salary. It's not necessarily related to how much money we earn. And there's definitely more to life and more to work than money. So it's about the joy, I suppose. And Marisa has come up with this amazing framework called the Emotional Salary Barometer. And we talk about some of the the key points in relation to the non-financial benefits of work. So if you're interested in learning more about how to be happier at work, without necessarily earning more money, then this is definitely one to tune into. So focusing really on those things that that matter more to you than money. As is always the case, I will do a synopsis, a summary at the end of the conversation to pick out some of the key points that we covered during our conversation. And given this really important topic, I think this is one people will definitely want to be involved in and to talk a little bit more about and to understand a little bit more about. So to do that, do connect with me on social media where I share about the podcast and get involved in the conversation, share your insights, ask any questions that you might have. Uh, To do that, you can find all of my social links on happieratwork.ie and I look forward to connecting with you. Enjoy today's episode. Marisa, you're so welcome to the Happier at Work podcast. I'm delighted to have you as my guest today. We spoke uh, a few weeks ago and had a wonderful conversation in Spanish. And it was just such a pleasure to chat with you that day. And I'm delighted to have you back and talking about and sharing your knowledge on the Happier at Work podcast. Do you want to give people an introduction to you, how you got into doing what you're doing? Oh, thank you, Eva, um, and thank you very much for this opportunity. And yes, it was a wonderful conversation a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, I'm my name is Marisa Elizundia. I'm originally from Mexico. Uh, I live in Spain, but I also worked in Germany and in the U.S. Um, the reason why I do what I do is because all my life I've been working in the area of people development, not in large companies. Uh, some larger than others, and international organizations. And throughout all my life, I always discovered or um, or became aware that when people were giving their best or their worst at their jobs, the reasons behind that were not related to the financial aspect of work, hmm. but there were other areas of of their experience at work that were affecting them so much that allowed them to keep their best or their worst. Um, and this is when I started saying, you know, like, why people, why do people work? You know, if we take the financial aspect mm. out of the, you know, of the question, 
what why why are people left with why do people love their work or why do they hate their work yeah. and that's why i that's when i started you know through this question like why do people work is when i started my research about emotional salary and then like creating uh, a tool that could measure what emotional salary is and kind of like dismantle it in its various aspects. Mm. It's such, I think it's, I mean, there's a few things to kind of dive into a little bit more detail there, but it's interesting. Then the name itself, I think, and, and we'll come back to that. But on a previous podcast episode, we got quite philosophical on it and it was, we're kind of talking about, well, what is work? You know, how to actually define what work is. And, and it was kind of like, it's, you know, we're not going to go down that road today and and we certainly didn't have time to go down that road when we spoke about this before but just this entire concept like why do and it it ties in with the idea of why do people work you know it's not Mm -hmm. just to earn a salary like that might be the basic reason but once that's covered once you're earning money and knowing this again from a very philosophical perspective that you could have any not that you could have any job but there are multiple jobs let's say to choose from what makes you stay in one place over another and maybe that's maybe maybe that's the place that we kind of carry on this conversation thinking about okay so if you have these multiple options and they're they're more or less offering around the same salary then what makes you choose one place over another absolutely you know like work is the opposite of leisure Mm. it is it's it is a place i mean it is a place where we uh use where we can use all of our abilities, our skills, our competencies, and we we use them for for a certain purpose. Up to now, this has been the convention that we do that in in return from some financial compensation. But now, as you know, as as we become more philosophical, and we have had through the pandemic, the time to analyze why do we work, you know, why do we spend so much time at work and why, do, what do we get from it? Um, is is when, when kind of like we are discovering that work allows us to, to get so much more from, from it than we used to, mm. which means that before, you know, like uh, we always tended to see work only as a transactional aspect. I give you my life, I receive money from it. Mm. I uh, give you my skills, my companies, my, my my education, and in return, I have um, I have financial and uh, financial contribution. But now it's it's not that way. It's you have to think that we spend our the most time of our of our time awake at, in our lives mm. is spent at work. Yeah. Um, and to see it only through the financial aspect, it's it's kind of like short-sighted. Mm. And it's kind of like it objectifies the person. And this is why we leaders and individuals and companies, we have to redefine what work is and how we want it to be. Why? Because at the end, it has benefits for everyone. It has benefits for society. It has benefits for the individual. It has benefits for the team and 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 everything. Yeah, no, I love that the, the idea because I was going to say, okay, so work previously was transactional. How would we define it now? But maybe it's up to each individual to define that for themselves. Like, what what meaning does work hold in my life? And again, going back to your point, Marisa, that um, 
you know, the the pandemic gave us this opportunity to really reflect on that and, and to think about, well, you know, am I doing something just for the money? Am I doing something that's really lighting me up, that's giving me that emotional salary as well as the, the actual monetary salary as well? Absolutely. It gave us the opportunity. Not it can, I always say that the, the, the pandemic put all of us in a magnifying glass. No? So whatever we were doing right, mm. it became like more visible. And yeah. whatever we were doing wrong, it became more visible. Mm. It became more palpable. And I think that's the idea of, of, of emotional salary. So that you on your own, because we cannot say that our work experience is equal for all of us. Mm. It's not. Our work experience is individual. You and I could be working on the same team, on the same company, and we would have something since similar, of mm. course. But at the end, we would we would see different benefits that we get from work because we are uh, at different stages in our life. Mm. So it's up to us to know what we want. It's up to us to know what we perceive. Mm. It's up to know up, up to us to know what we want. Yeah. And what do we want to get from from this experience? Uh, from all this time that we spent at work. And once we decide, once we define it, um, then we're able to take action Mm. on it. But the first step, it's always to to become aware and to have a language. Because um, our brain kind of like work with... um, with some biases that we send, with cognitive biases that we say, okay, I love my work or I hate my work, but that's too simplistic. Mm. We have to, to to give a language of what is exactly what we like, yeah. what is exactly what we don't, what we would like to have more or what we're not very comfortable with. And once we have that language, the awareness that we have becomes, oh, it's, it's not that I hate my work. I just don't like this specific part of my work. Mm. And once I have this specific part of my work, I can create actions. I can discover opportunities. I can have the specific conversations to change that. Mm. Um, And kind of like have a more objective perspective of my experience at work. Yeah. And and kind of less black and white as well. Less like, you know, either going back to what you said, Marisa, either I love it or I hate it. Like, I was going to say most people hate their jobs, but I'd say like that's not necessarily the case. I, there, but but research shows that engagement levels are are really really low, and you would imagine that a lot of people, let's say, dislike their jobs for one reason or another. And we'll we'll get on to the the emotional salary in a minute. But I'd love to yeah. know. You know, you mentioned about work being the opposite of leisure, and it's our, the opportunity to use our skills, abilities, and competencies. And from what you've seen in in your work history or working with clients. Do do most people have the opportunity to to really realize that at work? Do you think? Um, no, mm. no. Most people at the end, at the end, you, you you there's this hedonistic treadmill that if you do your work every day, every day, every day, you do not have the opportunity to think what you have or to see mm. what you have or what you, or what you're missing because you do it every day. You kind of like get used to it. So. All, I think it's always very valuable to think what you have mm. because uh, through the negativity bias, you're always going to be attracted to the negative. And uh, as you said, sometimes we're not even aware of, of of all the other things that actually they're working mm. uh, and are working well. 
Um, but I'm not saying that we should ignore the ones that are not working. I'm just saying that we should have an, an objective perspective of the whole experience mm. and not only about the negatives. Yeah. Um, because that will allow us to make better decisions, mm. better decisions towards our work and how we relate to our work. Mm. And also it will allow us to find new opportunities for action. What we've discovered is that, for example, people that were leaving their jobs uh, because they said that they hated their work and they suddenly they discovered that actually they didn't hate it that much, mm. that there were other things that they really appreciated and they kind of like appreciate it once they left their jobs. Okay. And I think that's sad yeah. because if you can give the people the opportunity to see the overall, uh, the overall, you know, like spectrum of work, people would be, would have, would have made better decisions mm. or, or maybe would have decided differently or, or something else, or at least it would allow them to search for other jobs that were giving them what they're searching for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. So it's kind of, um, you know, and we'll come on to the tool, but it, it's giving people the opportunity and that awareness. And I think sometimes, and I've certainly experienced this myself, if you have, a, let's say, a negative experience at work, that massively, massively outweighs the positive experiences that you have. Because I think as humans, we tend to have this negative bias. And so you sort of forget all of the good things that have happened or that are happening, uh, you take them for granted or just that the negative just kind of taints everything and you sort of feel like it's not going to get better or you can't, you know, you, you there's no way out unless you leave, all of these kind of things going on. Um, so it's really interesting. Do you want to maybe explain to us a little bit more about the definition of emotional salary? And then we'll, we'll talk a bit more about the tool um, and how people can, can use it and, and maybe some of the insights that you found. Emotional salary uh, are all those non-financial benefits that we get from work. Um, and it's subjective and it changes our perception from work and it allows us to um, to grow personally and professionally, I dare think that very very various things that you know I like can distill from this definition. First of all, that it's subjective. What I told you, it's different from all of us. Now, second of all, that it changes through time. Mm -hmm. You know, our emotional sorry is not fixed. It's just a picture. Imagine a photograph of us of our experience at work now. So it changes through time. That, that's why it's so necessary to 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 measure it on a constant basis to know, okay, where am I? Uh, what has changed? What actions have I taken? And so on. And and third of all is is to know that emotional salary um, will. I mean, the awareness of emotional salary and its concept will change the way we see work. Why? Because it gives us a language of what we are having and how all the factors that constitute emotional salary, how are they ma being manifested at our work or not? Uh, how do they become real? Mm. You know, why, for example, creativity. Mm. Creativity for you is something different than for me mm. or autonomy or inspiration. It becomes so different depending on us. So that's why we have to kind of like bring, we as individuals, we have to bring color 
to each of the factors that constitute emotional salary in our experience. Mm. I, li- I like that, that it's it's a really subjective approach. And if if I can kind of probe a little bit more into this, the idea that creativity, autonomy means different things to different people. Is it the case then that it's you can sort of measure on a scale how important relatively each one of those is and how how much of those you're actually getting at the moment. So like, let's say you have more of a need for autonomy than you do for creativity. So therefore it becomes more important in that, in the, in the barometer, then you can say, well, actually the amount of autonomy that you're getting is not fulfilling the need that you have for autonomy, essentially. Yes, we, we, we measure three things. Mm -hmm. We measure first the, the emotion, I mean, the 10 factors, how do they become true mm-hmm. in each in in your work? The second is what you mentioned, the relative importance, mm-hmm. and the third one is the action on opportunities. Yeah, you, are you taking the opportunities that you have mm-hmm. at work to change your emotional salary? And I think that's hugely important. Another thing that it's also important is that even though emotional salary is important on an individual basis, there are like responsibilities. There is a co-responsibility aspect of it. For example, companies play a huge role on emotional salary and especially leaders. Mm. Leaders play an immensely important role in emotional salary and of course the individual. Um, What does it mean that, for example, even if I'm super aware as a person about my emotional salary and what I want to do, if my leader is not supporting it. If my leader is not doing anything to 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 improve, to allow me to improve my emotional salary, actually that's not going to work. You know, like it's you're going to. It's like imagine a, like an animal working with three legs. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes it's going someone is going to fall. Yeah, uh, and I think this also changes the role of the leader because the leader right now is not uh, only a person who is. Um, who is also responsible for, you know, like for the completion of objectives or for the results or anything. It's also responsible or co-responsible of the the emotional salary of their team Mm. and the company as well to give the resources, to give the the space uh, and to have the intention that that people become, uh, that are really important, that people are their priority. Mm. Yeah, you raised a really interesting point and it's something that you mentioned earlier as well is whether or not people are taking action. Like I am a little bit obsessed with this idea of the knowing doing gap because oftentimes we know what we need to do, but we're not necessarily doing that. Um, And and any thoughts around that? So like, you know, if this provides you with a list of actions that you need to take in order to improve it. So we could answer the leader role in relation to that in a second but as an individual is there anything you see like are people stopping themselves are they self-sabotaging like what is the reason they're not taking action necessarily i think because we've been trained that this is only what i can get from work okay yeah you know like we've been trained through our lives that okay you know like this is everything that work and gives you so um i think it it needs a reshape of of our brain that work can give us more than we are having now. So uh, we have to retrain our brains and our society that 
work can give us more the, the financial aspect of it. Um, the second is um, that we think maybe we think that um, whatever we do will serve no purpose. It's like this oh this uh, this personal growth aspect that you know everyone is talking about, but it doesn't help me. So so yes, it, it needs kind of like a, the intention and the attention to make it happen. And third of all, do not forget society, you're not on your own. Never, you're not on your own. So use your network, use your colleagues, use your friends to help you uh, emotion, to help you increase your emotional salary or to help you take action. This is also one of the key roles of the leader and of the team that they are also a very important aspect, a very important factor that allows others to increase their emotional salary. Mm. I always say that if you want to increase your emotional salary, start by increasing the emotional salary of others. Mm. Because once you do that, you're going to see firsthand the impact it has on others and also the impact it has on you. Because also we are kind of like trained to receive and receive and receive. And we have to kind of like a bit change a bit that aspect. And it's not only about receiving, but also giving. Mm. And I think that's, that sounds idealistic, but our research and research as such has proved that mm. um, over and over, that if you really want to change your reality, start changing the reality of others. Mm. And that kind of like starts moving yeah. that aspect. Yeah. What does it mean in terms of emotional salary? Uh, um, for example, um, start appreciating others, start celebrating others, um, start give, allowing people to use your creativity um, or allow, allow others to increase their skills, mentor someone, coach someone, um, or listen carefully to what others say and find what others say insightful. Um, like try to also be an inspiring role for others uh, and so on and so forth. Because oh, that's exactly what I was going to ask, um, this idea. And someone recommended, I can't remember exactly who it was now, um, who recommended a book called The Go-Giver. I think it was Aaron Burnett, a conversation I had with him on the podcast. And he, re he recommended this book. It's only small it's it's short it's quite an easy read but it it's the reason i suppose for it is it facilitates this mindset change from a i need to take and i need to do everything for myself and i i need to win at all costs to how can i help other people how can i put other people first and then it will come back to you tenfold it will kind of come back to you reciprocated because you've been you've put other people kind of first ahead of yourself and then they will do the same for you uh, essentially or not and and even i mean even if you don't expect anything out of it you mm. will see yeah the impact it has on others mm. you will see firsthand how it changes everything yeah and once you see that you start searching also for it for example imagine i'm lacking belonging mm. now i don't then if i start connecting with others if I start calling others, if I start um, searching for, you know, like for this sort of um, sense of purpose of belonging to a group, mm. immediately it will increase yeah. my my sense of belonging. Yeah. 
um, also creativity by, for example, by allowing other, by opening the conversation, hey, what ideas do you think I can have about this? Mm. You, in, you will then get inspired. And then through inspiration, you will increase your creativity. Mm. So um, this is also very interesting about emotional style, that it's not like the 10 factors that, or the factors that that compose it, they're not exclusive. Mm. They they kind of like interrelate with each other. Mm. So if you affect one, it will go like, like a domino effect. It will immediately affect others. And it also, it will immediately affect your work, your relationship, your work, your feeling towards your work. Mm, yeah, no, I like this. And and some people, some people criticize, not criticize, but you know, like they tend to 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 see that what I say or what I constantly, what my research says, it's too idealistic, it's too mm. nice. Um, and this again shows me why do we need to think that work and our experience of work shouldn't be nice? Mm. Yeah. Why are we so skeptical about yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Why Why do we, uh, and I think it's basically because up to now, uh, leaders and organizations have had the upper hand mm. on, on work relationships. Mm. And I think right now, society is changing and that we are becoming, individuals are becoming more empowered and they want to know what they actually have or perceive from their work that's non-financial mm. um, and they want to measure it and they want to compare it. And and that's why I think this relationship is going to change. Yeah. It's becoming to become more equal. And that, that was something that I wanted to come back to that you had mentioned earlier that work. And I loved how you phrase it. Work can give us so much more than just the financial aspect, because I think you know, societally we're conditioned to think that work is supposed to suck. I think, I think that's kind of how we grow up. Now, I've since I started working, I pretty much have loved uh, most of the jobs that I've been in. I've really enjoyed work. I love connecting with people. I love all of those kind of things that you're talking about. But I did have some experiences that led me down that, that led me onto the path that I'm on now if I'm being honest. So I'm really grateful to have had those experiences because not everyone has that positive experience at work. And I think if we can educate people, and I suppose it's it's part of my role is to educate people that work can actually be good and you get paid for it. And, and I think, again, it goes back to philosophizing exactly what work is, because if we're getting paid for something that we enjoy, maybe that's kind of like, but I would do this for free anyway, because I enjoy it so much, but I have the added benefit of being paid for it. So it, I think there's all of these things sort of tied up and, and, and maybe it is that, that piece around educating people and not to say that employees have the upper hand, but, but to let them know that they have a choice now. So if they're in a situation where they're not getting that emotional salary benefit, in addition to the financial salary that they're getting, that they do have the option to look for something else where they will actually get mm-hmm. that. And also you have to think that the work experience is not always happy, happy, happy. Exactly. It's not, yeah. it's not that way. I mean, that's not, I, I don't, I don't believe that. It's, it's, it's a question, for example, there are some challenges mm. that you face at work that allow you to grow professionally, yeah. that allow you to grow personally. For example, imagine, um, for example, that you have a super, super a difficult project and you have to deliver and super stressful, but that allowed you to grow your professional skills mm. in a way 
that you wouldn't have if you wouldn't have that work. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and the same, for example, it allows you to 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 forgive. It allows you to be honest. It allows you to be humble. Mm. And and all of that those opportunities happen at the time yeah. you spend at work. And I'm not saying that it's it's always you. It has to be wonderful, but it has to be analyzed how it helps you, mm. how it helps you become a better person, a better professional, a better friend, a better colleague. Um, and I think that's what uh, what we mean about emotional salary, that it's not always, uh, it's not always about like, great. it's about analyzing it. Mm. It's about exploring it. Yeah. In, in its different facets. It's interesting, Marisa, as well, that you say it helps you to be a better friend because... I'm a firm believer that the time that you spend at work, you take that home with you. So if you're miserable, if you're miserable doing what you're doing, you take that and an impact on every aspect of your life. I, I know certainly, you know, I suppose it's hard to tell from my own experience of sharing those, because I think when you share those negative experiences that you have at work, you just feel a sense of relief. But I know certainly being on the receiving end of someone saying the same thing over and over and over again, it becomes quite cumbersome and, and quite difficult to listen to because they're not necessarily taking any action on the situation that, you know, and I'm talking about this from a friend perspective when you're just listening to this again and again. And it's it's like, OK, so how do we how do we kind of move that. So I think if you can take personal responsibility for the experiences that you're having at work, take action towards improving it, then I can see how that would have a, a positive impact, not only on your colleagues, but also on friendships and relationships. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That, that's the, the kind of like the systemic impact mm. of emotional salary, that it does not only affect you, um, as you as you said, you know, like if if you're miserable at work, you're going to come home and and be, I mean, you're going all the commute that you go to your work, you're not going to be a friendly because you're miserable mm. and also with your family. So it has an impact on society. Um, and a great experiences at work will also have a positive impact society. And that's something I think companies uh, in their start have to really think about what is their impact in society by the experience of work they're giving their employees. Um, and this is something not, not many people are analyzing um, because it is true. It is true that um, the better experience you give to your employees, the better impact you'll have on society. Um, and I think we should all analyze ourselves uh, and how and what everything we do at our work is impacting everything we touch. So the idea, as you correctly mentioned, um, that they, they, they separate, you know, that there was a time when they, you, whatever you do in your personal life shouldn't affect your work life and vice versa. That was that, that was never true. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not robots yeah, that we yeah. are like, you don't just that hard, check yourself switch off at the door. Yes, and, yeah. and, and, and then you <laughs> turn on the other part, you know, yeah. that's kind of like, saying, you know, like you're a robot and you don't have to, of course it affects you. I mean, of course, it, if, you're, if your boss screams at you or mm. your, your colleague lets you down or you're, you don't feel even seen at work, mm. it will have an impact yeah. on, on how you see yourself and how you see others and how you react to others. Mm. Um, and this is why uh, I am so vehement that we all have to think what is what, what, is what work gives you. 
that's mm-hmm. non-financial? How can you take the most of it? How is it impacting your life? Um, and how you can increase it? You know, how can you it? How can you find new opportunities to take action to change that experience? Mm. I think this is kind of a new way of thinking for a lot of people, and. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we expect stuff to land on our laps nearly that or look for opportunities that exist currently within an organisation rather than thinking about ways to create our own opportunities based on problems that we encounter at work and like how can we find solutions for those. You know, I've heard so many stories recently of people identifying something that's not working very well in a system in at work and they somehow like that became an additional part of their role, let's say, and eventually that turned into a role in itself and then it required a team. And so it just kind of grew and and took off from there. So I think they're really positive examples of taking that personal responsibility for your experience at work, identifying issues and not just waiting for something or looking for opportunities that are that exists already, but seeking out new opportunities where you can contribute in a different way at work and you know, again, thinking about what is it that I'm getting and and what role does this job play in the grander scheme of things of my career and what steps and what can I what can I get from that to take the next step that I want to take in my career? How can I, for want of a better word, how can I use this job to kind of catapult me into what it is that I want to do next, whether that's in within that organization or whether it's whether it's elsewhere. Yeah, I, I completely get it because sometimes it's not that uh, we can, I mean, you can find opportunities that most of the opportunities are there. Mm. Um, we just need to grab them, but not only grab them, uh, take action. What I always say is that every great idea or every new thing that you want to change goes together with an Excel sheet. Um, that means that there are always specific actions that you need to take, very small, but you need to take them mm. in order to get there. For example, if I want a new job no, or, and I want to be promoted in my career, first, I have the vision. I have the vision to, to yes, I want that job. Yes, I want to, to earn that salary and I want to get that position. But just the wishing part is not enough. Mm. Uh and, not, and also the visualizing is not enough. I need to know what skills I need to, to encourage. How? How are I going to test it? Um, what other steps do I need? What conversations I need to take? What um, new challenges I need to take and when? And all of that needs to be kind of like planned. Um, so it's not that opportunities fall. Mm. I mean, the idea that we that we have like, oh, a, a great leader is going to tell us, hey, you're amazing. I want to get you promoted. Mm. Um, you know, like that's that, yeah. that kind of like, because I've seen that you're so good that yeah. uh, you deserve this, <laughs> this, this, this great position. That actually never happens. Mm. You know, like um, that if, and if it happens, it's kind of like a miracle. Yeah. You kind of like have to, to shape it according to what you want mm. and you have to, to make it happen and i know that sounds very individualistic but but it's true because mm. it gives you a sense of direction yeah it gives you a sense that there there are next steps to follow mm. and uh through each step you need to measure if it's working if it's not are you happy or not mm. and yeah. if, if it does it satisfy you yeah. enough or 
or not. Sometimes I feel we limit our thinking to our existing situation so that if we're Mm -hmm. looking for opportunities, we're looking either internally at opportunities that are being advertised or externally at something with a similar skill set or a similar job title or something like that as a reason to to kind of move. But I suppose for me, and it it sounds like for you as well, Marie said that, that it's about thinking bigger about like what what's the grand picture here and what is it that I want to actually ultimately get from work in addition to the money that I'm earning? Absolutely. And and what I don't want people is to think that, um, you know, that the moments that you have when you don't feel great at work, mm. that you have to ignore them. No, we all have had yeah. those moments. Mm. We've all had those moments which say, oh, God, you know, I just cannot manage this anymore. But it's just taking, as you mentioned, it's just taking maybe for a coffee break or maybe for a lunch break or maybe for an evening just to take a step back and say, okay, why am I doing this? Mm. What am I actually getting from it that Mm. it's non-financial? And just write it down and say, okay, I'm doing this because I'm also gaining this and this and this and this. And by doing that, it will kind of like give us another perspective and allows us to create space for taking action. So what I want to say is don't, you know, don't ignore the, the, the bad experiences. Of course not. We all have them. Um, but just try to, okay, I have these experiences, but what else do, am I having? Mm. And by writing them down or by becoming aware of them, it kind of like give us space mm. for other things to come. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that, you know, and I think just the action of reflecting on what is it that I'm getting? Sometimes we get so caught up in the day to day of what we're actually doing that we neglect to take time out to say, you know, not to be too in- individualistic, like you said, but like, what's in this for me? You know, um, Absolutely. what am I getting from this from a personal development or a professional development perspective? The idea of emotional salary came from such an experience mm. um, as as you, you know, you're a consultant, I am, and, and we're freelancers or we have our own company. I think everyone that's listening to us that has their own company knows that it's not always, you know, like, a, <laughs> like a, it's not always soaring and you're happy. You know, there like there's emotional, you know, like ups and downs, yeah. challenges mm. that where, where the downs are really downs and, and you doubt yourself like, I wouldn't say 24-7, but 23-7. <laughs> um, and, and and it is that experience. So I was in that moment when I was like saying, you know, why am I doing this? Mm. Why why is this happening? I said, you know, like, okay, so what? Why am I doing this? Apart from the money that, that I can earn, why am I doing? And I started really writing down mm. everything I was getting from work or from my, my, yeah, from my work experience. And after that, I said, actually, I'm an emotional millionaire. <laughs> mm. uh, and and just the realization about that made me think, what if everyone were able at least to analyze their work like this? Mm. And that's when the idea came, you know, like to do some research about what work is and yeah. what the meaning of work, what, what people got from work that was non-financial. And that's something that I wanted to give kind of like the world the opportunity to do that, mm. to, to kind of like see the the work through that lens, mm. not only of what you were not gaining, which is what I was seeing it, yeah. and I couldn't sleep from that, 
but also from the other part that mm. what I was really having. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. And, and I think, again, it's it's a shift in mindset, isn't it, from focusing on what you don't have, which causes a bit of a negative spiral to shifting the focus in what you do have, which causes those things to multiply because you focus more on them. You become more aware of where you're getting that sense of autonomy, where you're bringing your creativity, all of those things that that really light us up. Um, I'm looking forward to, and I know like we, we spoke about this before, but I am looking forward to taking the assessment to see myself, um, you know, what is it? Do you want to tell people a little bit more about the tool or is there anything else that you want to share before we wrap things up? Yes, the tool is as, as is based on research that we did with participants from 22 countries. Uh, and we're very proud to say that, you know, like the 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 results have been very, very positive. So, and it tests basically 10 factors that uh, I think we can all relate uh, about our work. The first one, of course, is autonomy. Mm. You know, that it's, um, it, it, it doesn't, it relates of what do you get, what, what does your work gives you in terms of uh, how can you manage it from your values, from your own values, personal and and professional values. Not not about it's not about working four days a week or three days a week or it's just about managing your own time mm. and your projects according to what's important for you. Mm. The second is belonging. The third one is creativity. Uh, the fourth one is, is direction, which is about you and your career and your future. Um, the fifth one is um, enjoyment. Then we have inspiration, uh, and then mastery, and then professional growth, prof uh, personal growth, and purpose. And this, I mean, the emotional side can be taken from everyone around the world through our website. But I, I still invite, even if you don't do the, the barometer, I invite all of your listeners to just think of how these 10 factors become true in their lives? How do they manifest in their lives? Uh, and see, you know, like, do they become real? How? And if not, how do I want them to be? Mm. Um, and I think that's the, the best part of it, that you, by analyzing them, by exploring them in your reality, you can literally start taking action. Mm. And if you have responsibility in a team also, Am I giving these 10 factors to my people? Um, am I allowing this this aspect to grow? Mm. Uh, and also, if you're a business owner, also think that. And I think that's, that's really important. Yeah, love that. Now, Marisa, the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what does being happier at work mean to you? For me, being happier at work means, you know, like to, to know that the time I spend working is a time that I get something from it apart from the financial that I that emotional I feel richer and I feel more encouraged and more supported through my work that the time spent at work is time well spent mm. I love that approach actually yeah just thinking about how how do you spend your time and not to, to 
digress too much, but I'm reading a book at the moment called 4000 Weeks, which is all about how much time we have in our lives and how we spend time and how we tend to be future focused and we do things now to gain something in the future. But if, if it's if you can reflect on a day that you've spent at work and say that was actually time well spent, I grew or it was challenging, but but I got I feel rewarded because it was such a challenge and, and it gave me that opportunity or I had the freedom to do whatever I wanted today, whatever it might be. Um, or I got inspired by this conversation yeah. on actually I or I, I I'm so happy because I had even to inspire others yeah. or actually I had fun yeah. uh, and I, you know, like uh, with with colleagues or actually I felt rewarded because someone loved what I did. Yeah. Or, you know, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really, really lights us up. Now, people want to find out more about the emotional salary if they want to connect with you. What's the best way they can do that? At, with LinkedIn. Um, in LinkedIn, Marisa Elisundia, I'm there, and also emotional salary barometers in LinkedIn or, or you know, our LinkedIn page, and also th- through our homepage, yeah. which is www.emotional-salary.com. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. That's great. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolute pleasure to to chat with you as always, and I look forward to staying connected. Ife, thank you very much for this opportunity. That was Marisa Elisondia and I really hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I found it so interesting to learn about the framework and to to really open up that discussion about the non-financial benefits of doing work. Before I share a summary of the key points, I wanted to remind you about getting involved in that conversation. So do head over to happieratwork.ie where you'll find links to my social media channels. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you have any questions, if you have any insights that you took from today's episode, I'd absolutely love to hear those. So Marisa and I started with this question, why do people work? And she defined it as work is the opposite of leisure. So it's using our skills, abilities and competencies for a specific purpose. And I absolutely loved that way of describing work because I think it it pretty much hits the nail on the head. And another question that we posed at the start or that Marisa posed at the start was why spend so much time at work? Work previously was very transactional and it objectifies the person, but we're redefining what work actually is so that work has benefits for everyone, for for society as a whole, for the individual And we get to define for ourselves what work means to us. And that's by raising our awareness of the non-financial benefits of work that we do and the language that we use around work. Now, getting more into the emotional salary and the non-financial benefits from work, they allow us to grow professionally and personally. And it's not fixed. It's just measuring Using the barometer, it's just measuring it at a point in time and you can look at what specific actions that you've taken. And And I suppose a way to think about this is sometimes we get frustrated at work, but we're not actually doing anything about it. Whereas this barometer gives you the language to talk about, to identify the areas where you are currently happy at work, let's say, and and some areas where you may feel frustrated at work. But it also allows you to look at what actions you've taken to address those issues. And potentially you haven't taken any issues, any actions to address those issues. So a question to pose to yourself, are you taking the opportunities to change at work?
I think one of the overall key insights from this episode, uh, you know, summarised quite nicely by Marisa, is that work can give us so much more than just the financial aspect. Before I remind you of what those key parts of the emotional salary barometer are, I wanted to first talk about ways to increase the emotional salary. So Marisa focused specifically on on starting this process by increasing the emotional salary of others. So it's about giving. And this reminds me of a book I read last year called The Go-Giver. And if you haven't read it, definitely check it out and do head over to Aoife's reading list on my website where I do a synopsis of the book. And really it's about putting other people first and how givers get essentially. So giving to other people first rather than rather than focusing on taking and what you can get. So a way to do this is appreciating and celebrating others, allowing other people to use your skills by listening, by inspiring others and by being a role model. If you want to change things at work, wishing and visualising is not enough. You need to really ask yourself what skills are required and have those identify what those challenges are, have those conversations. And it really helps if you have a framework that you can plan around. And as a reminder, those items on the emotional salary barometer are number one, autonomy, number two, belonging, number three, creativity, number four, direction, number five, enjoyment, number six, inspiration, number seven, mastery, number eight, professional growth, number nine, personal growth and number 10, purpose. And We had a discussion after we stopped recording and, you know, I wanted to get a better understanding of what's preventing people from, I suppose, taking action around some of these things. And oftentimes it's the case that people don't take personal responsibility. So, you know, this links in with this idea of the knowing doing gap. So you know what needs to be done, but you're not necessarily doing it. And one of the reasons that you're not doing it could be that you're not taking personal responsibility to change your circumstances. So what will you do differently as a result of listening to this podcast today? As I mentioned, I will be posting about it. I will be hosting a conversation about it. So I would love to know from you, what will you be doing differently as a result of listening to today's episode? Head over to happieratwork.ie. You'll find all of my social channels linked there. And I do look forward to hearing from you. That was another episode of the Happier at Work podcast. I am so glad you tuned in today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, I would love to get your thoughts. Head on over to social media to get involved in the conversation. If you enjoy the podcast, I would love if you could rate, review it or share it with a friend. If you want to know more about what I do or how I could help your business, head on over to happieratwork.ie.